0: Actually, when we look to 2023 and beyond and we're having those discussions now, exactly that of actually learning to say no and being like, just because we've got opportunities doesn't mean we should be taking them and actually cutting back a bit of saying, you know, that's not actually the business we're trying to build over a long time. Here, let's let's get a bit more focused. Welcome to the Proven Principles podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight.
1: Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. Before we get going on this episode, if you find this show and content provides value to you, I'd really appreciate it if you took a few seconds to leave a rating and a review on your podcast app. And if you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Both really do help the show get found by new listeners, and we're all about getting more people in on the conversations we're having here. So with that, my guest today is Will Perry. He's the CEO and director of Altito, a company that manages Airbnbs, service departments, hotels, and private residences across Europe. This is a classic episode of intending to talk about one thing and pivoting to discuss something completely different. As someone who's spent much more time in the short-term rental space over the past couple of years, I've watched Altito grow and become fascinated by their bootstrap beginnings to become one of Europe's largest players. Actually, having Will on the show felt like being able to talk to myself five years from now. We discussed growth, vision, knowing when and where to get out of your comfort zone, and discussed resisting when everyone in your space is going in one direction and decidedly going the other way people from all over hospitality are jumping into entrepreneurship. And whether you're in short-term rentals, hotels, or you're a hospitality service provider, I hope that we touch on a point or two that speaks to what you may be going through right now, and it helps you figure out when and where your next steps should be. So let's get to it. This is episode 101 of the Proven Principles podcast, Will Perry on growing a hospitality brand. Enjoy. Hey, Will, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you.
0: Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Adam.
1: If people don't know your story, what should they know? What's what's like the good, you know, maybe high level overview of like how you got to where you are today?
0: Uh, Yes, quite a weird and wonderful route, but I'll keep it high level. Um, So seven years ago, um, about 2014, 2015. I was working in London with a, an old friend, um, and we were looking at um, the real estate market, the property market, seeing some of the trends um, that were coming in there. And Airbnb was the kind of, well, I'm going to say new kid on the block that had been around for a bit, but it was really getting going um and short-term lets were all the rage and we we decided to um foray into the short-term rental market um and that kicked off a yeah weird and wonderful journey which has led us to altido um in 2022 in between them we um that actually started as a different brand called the london residence club we merged in uh 2019 with three other european independent property management businesses in portugal scotland And Italy um, formed Altido, which stands for a life that I dream of, um, which not everyone knows, but I'm trying to get the word out there. Uh, And we are guest facing hospitality brand. um, And yeah, most recently in 2022, obviously got through COVID, which is a bit bumpy, but most recently in 2022, we actually acquired slash merged with a big Italian brand in the living space called Dover vivo um, which gave us a, a lot of sort of financial
1: clout. Um, and we've got grand plans um, for the coming years. That's amazing. What came first, the name or the acronym?
0: I think, well, we actually engaged. I'd love to say it was, um, it was my brainchild, but we actually engaged a, uh, branding company at the time. So, um, when we found it, they were both there at the same time. Um, but I like confusing people by saying, um, that Altido is Latin for a life that I dream of. Um, and that sometimes takes a lot, <laughs> the, the penny to drop.
1: I like that. it I mean, man, the naming exercise, it's just can be maddening sometimes, but you guys definitely nailed it. Um, yeah, I want to get your take here uh, on where we are from your perspective in hospitality right now. And if you know, if you want to, if it's more your Europe, European centric, that's fine. More global centric, that's fine too. Um, but you know, we've we've obviously come out of a very busy summer travel season, and things are looking a little odd right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from your seat, where is hospitality?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I'm not going to claim to have a yeah a global perspective, or, or even a sort of broad perspective of, of the market, wider market as a whole. But I think particularly when COVID hit, it was very much looking internally and, you know, keeping very focused on what Altido was doing and, and the fundamentals of our business. But uh, if, you know, we're a fairly sizable European business, and, and that certainly gives us a bit of a steer on, on what's going on in the wider market. So I'll give you what happened with us and where I think that that's taking us some um, post covid so i'm going to say 2022 for post covid i mean we've had our our biggest year to date by some way and so we we merged and formed this brand in 2019 um and it looks like we're going to be about 50% up um when we close the end of this year um on on 2019 which is our best year to date previously obviously the in, interim period was less said about that the better um but we yeah we we just couldn't hire fast enough we couldn't um yeah the, the the amount of business inbound was 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 bigger and better than ever this year and we had had a very successful summer um one of the slightly alarming trends which i think is true across the market and something we continue to see is the, the post-covid world has made uh just general people's behavior very last minute um you you, mm-hmm. you don't that holiday even if it's quite a big major holiday quite an expensive holiday you'll leave your planning or you can afford to leave your plan to last minute There's still stock out there and um and that's i guess great from a consumer perspective because you can kind of hedge your bets a bit and you know buy yourself a bit of time uh when you're trying to forecast and run a business it's slightly terrifying um and we had a really strong summer and i remember that halfway through august i was thinking oh well summer's been great and typically our high high season comes to the end at the end of august and we're looking at september numbers and thinking blimey you know we're we are low on on our budget here i think we're Mm. 20 30 percent of budget hit with you know a few weeks to go um and you just you just don't know is it is that because something fundamentally changed Are people's behaviors are they getting worried about the cost of living crisis and energy are are people not going to be traveling and then in the last few weeks suddenly all the guests arrived and appeared again and the bookings were as strong as ever and it looks like we will hit if not exceed our budget in September. So I mean I can't I don't have the crystal ball to to see too far ahead but the trend that we're seeing at the moment is yes that behavior has changed uh and so people are last minute which is a bit alarming from a forecasting perspective but the market in the short let world is still very strong. I mean I know I think short term rentals are bounced back Faster and, and better than, than the hotel world. Um, hotel world is perhaps catching up now, but um, for us, it's it's a last minute market, but still a very strong market. And yeah, as I say, I think what well, we know this year is going to be very big for us. Um, and, and I'm not too worried about um, the coming months. Uh, and then next year is um, we're putting together our plans for that. But we will, yeah, we, we will continue to be aggressive. We're, we're we're still pretty bullish on what we're doing. Um, and with that acquisition, I. I mentioned earlier with, with, with Dova Viva, this Italian living brand um, that opens up some new uh, new geographies and, and new product lines for us next year.
1: Interesting about the short-term last-minute booking. I don't even want to call it a trend because it's, it's not really a trend. It's just how people are buying these days. And we're mm. seeing the same thing over here, um, where you could be vacant this weekend coming up and somebody will book you know, today for a Friday arrival or Thursday for a Friday arrival or Saturday arrival. And I, it, I wonder if a part of that, and I don't know, I'm, I'm, this is a thought that really just came to me in the last day or so. So I'm still trying to formulate it, but if it has something to do with the volume of short-term rental properties that are just available in Almost every market. You can you can scroll down. I mean, I was just doing a uh, an analysis report uh, for somebody uh, over the weekend, and it seemed like no matter which market I looked at across the U.S. Anyway, there was an increase in short-term rental supply quarter mm-hmm. over quarter for many quarters in a row now. So, the, just the the volume of properties available to book is is out there, and I I'm wondering at what point that that there's going to be a crossover between maybe that's causing the last minute booking because people have an opportunity to shop around. There's no, there's no constrained supply, but also if at some point that's going to start causing rates to drop, because it just seems like, you know, over the summer, you charge anything you want and people just paid whatever they want. And in spite of the increased supply across the board, because not a fully formed thought, but I just find it interesting because for my hotel days, I I know that like that's not a sustainable model. At some point, you're gonna you're gonna start competing on price, um, and maybe we're starting uh, to get into that as you know as as we sort of get into the shoulder season between summer and mm. the the end of the year holidays. I don't know, just a thought.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean. What we've seen in terms of our, which I think is common across the board, in terms of our rates and, and comparing that again to 2019 and comparing to what we just expected budget-wise this year, we have we've been astonished by by what people are paying, and there's obviously various factors into that, the, the bounce back of travel from COVID, inflation, um, and and other elements, and so I this we think this year is is a, you know it's great it's a Exactly the sort of year we needed as an industry, certainly as a as a business um, founder and, and leader. Um, and it, we think it, it, we assume it can't be that good next year. That this was a bit of a freak year, um, and and it to, to continue at that level does seem slightly absurd. But I think we have to. I mean, certainly as just running a business in Europe and in some specific markets, it's very contextualized to the, to the market. And so, yes, a lot of stock is, is coming onto the market in a lot of areas, and we've seen that, and we are benefiting from that. We're bringing a lot of stock onto the market. But um, I'll give you an example. I think Edinburgh is really interesting. So Edinburgh and Scotland, you've got, a, you know, every year uh, in the summer, they have a big festival, the Fringe Festival in August, and they have millions of people coming in, you know, doubling if not tripling the size of the city. For that period and so they just have a fundamental housing problem about you know they can't build enough hotels fast enough and so and the short let market certainly has its role to play and so the, the in terms of rates some you, I'd be really surprised if we saw that drop off um and then you add yeah. to that I, I think it's quite specifically interesting right now regulation and so edinburgh and actually scotland as a whole is going through the a, a big regulatory change probably kind of a once in a generation regulatory change for for the short let market which kicks in april next year so actually we're going to see quite a lot of inventory come off due to not, not being able to be licensed um so you already had a from a price point we already the prices were getting quite eye-watering and actually inventory is coming off so I I think you know one of there were lots of reasons why we ended up forming this brand across Europe rather than just in individual cities or in individual countries. But one of them was to de-risk yourself. That you know you just don't you, you don't want to be stuck in in one particular city. And I started in London, great market, still is a great market, but you want to hedge your bets a bit. And so by having by being able to operate at the scale we are. I feel a lot more confident about the future and we can react um, as one of the larger players and, and we're a bit more robust. Um, and some of the smaller players won't be able to ride out those kind of shockwaves that will come
1: through. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because um, the scale. Yeah, it does give you a cushion. It gives you a benefit mm. um, that to just... To just endure what some bad things going on in one area, maybe it's good in another, or you get seasonal mm. spikes in one area and dips in another. Yeah, no, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, if you were to put your put your business mentor hat on for a second, um, eh, we, when we did our initial intro call, we kind of talked a little bit about. Starting the company, bootstrapping, um, just trying to get as far as you could, as efficiently and as quickly as you could. You know, as uh, selfishly, somebody who's going through this today, uh, myself, trying to figure out what, and I know a lot of people in hospitality try to figure out what their next step is. So this is probably a relevant conversation for a lot of people who are entering entrepreneurship for the first time. When you're trying to figure out what your short-term gains are versus sticking to a long-term vision, but not sticking to it so much that it prevents you from seeing opportunities when they arise. How do you how if you think back to when you started the company, how did how did you balance this? Mm-hmm. And how did you how did you go about figuring, you know, these are the right moves for me to take now? And how can I stretch a dollar, as or a pound, as far as possible, to be able to sort of bridge the gap between the short-term gains and the long-term growth? Super clumsy question, I know, but this is, um, you know, this is kind of where my head's at right now.
0: Yeah. In 2019, when we went through the merger and created the new brand, one of the things we did was create our uh, vision and, and values, and one of those values is. Um, stay humble, and greatness is a process. And that was obviously that's a kind of high, hindsight value in a way, in terms of something that we'd learned along the way, which had actually we were looking back about you know what's worked and what hasn't, and what what are the sort what's in our DNA, and what do we want to take forward with us. So in a way, in 2019, that that was us looking back at the last four years and how did we get there? And I think you know looking at hindsight's a wonderful thing because it panned out the way we wanted to so it's, it's easy for me to sit, sit here now but if I look back about wh- where we were then there were lots of other businesses you know as I said Airbnb was, was really motoring this was kind of a hot market there was money coming into it lots of businesses piling in some of them raising a lot of money and so we were just one of many um and you know you you do have a bit of a sort of existential crisis about kind of well, what, what makes us different or what are we doing here and one of the I think key principles that we stuck to was just just we would speak to the rest of the market, we would try and understand exactly what everyone's doing, we'd be very open about that. But internally as a business, we'd be very clear about what we were trying to do, which was actually, yeah, pretty no grand vision, no sort of massive long-term play. It was actually because we were a bootstrapped and unfunded business, it was actually just proving the concept and and believing in what we were doing. So we said at that time we didn't want to be um the biggest necessarily, but we did want to be the best. So we had something that we could all focus on and align on, which was to deliver a really fantastic service to our clients. And there weren't that many of them at that time, but our clients really were our property owners. Those were our, we weren't really seeing the guests so much as a core client. They were a key part of the business, but it was actually bringing on property owners. So on a day by day, week by week, month by month, it was just focusing on that and and actually letting the, the long-term thing will will reveal itself in time. And then to kind of answer your question directly, I guess, is when you get those forks in the road about, okay, when's the time to jump or not? Because you know, you're know you seeing other people raise money, should we be doing that? We didn't, we stuck independently. And I think that served us well, because a lot of the companies who did make money actually, raise money aren't even around anymore. And, you know, it didn't work out the, the valuations and the priorities were wrong because they were led by perhaps Sort of uh, in- investors' demands, which weren't quite right for the market, but we were proving the concept that we actually had a profitable business. Um, and I would say one of the, a good example, a tangible example of like a risk, which was a big risk for us at that stage. It would be wouldn't be now, but back then, as an unfunded business, it was our capital. Was when a, com- a competitor in our market in London went bust, um, and. Four or five companies were in the process, the kind of administration process to buy them, and there was a silent bidding war, essentially, or well, not war, but there was a silent bidding process. Um, and uh, we, uh, myself and my business partner at the time, we we um, invested our own own cash. So we thought, we thought, okay, this is how much that we could put into this, and we think there is value in this business. Um, and that was a huge moment for us because we didn't know whether we were gonna get that money back or and it was certainly the first time we would ever acquired a business. Um, and we and and we came out top in the process, took the business on, which was great. We probably doubled the number of units we had under management. But actually, it was the staff that came with it that fundamentally changed things. It was one of those inflection points on our road to where we are now. Um, they actually had a the company in question had an office in Bulgaria. There was 10 staff there doing a lot of the administrative functions of the business, which we had previously been doing, you know, as an independent owner. The guest calls you, the owner calls you, you're up at night fixing boilers, all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we had a team, um, and that team, 10-man team then, is now an 80-man team and and will continue to grow um, over the next few years. So I think... you. You, you, as you say, it's definitely a balance. Um, you, you, you've got to understand like what your core principles are, what your D, DNA is. But for me, and for anyone else thinking out there, I, I think not getting too distracted by everything else that's shiny around you. Not, I think there's that phrase: not not all that's not all that's gold is gold. Glitter, glitters um, is gold.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. Um, and, and I think that was definitely definitely true. For us, and not being too distracted by that, but knowing at the right time when it's like, okay, now it's time to take a risk. What we want to move, we want to move forward again. We've got a nice little independent business, but now let's take a jump forward. And we did that in 2017 when we bought that company, and in 2019 when we formed Altilo, that was another jump. And then in 2022 uh, when we did this deal with Dover Vivo, that was another jump. And each time it's of a higher order of mag- magnitude. It's scary. It's, you're not quite, you're never hundred percent sure are we doing the right thing, but I
1: think as entrepreneurs, you're, you get used to taking those risks. Yeah. You know, in the short-term rental space, uh, I hear a lot of people talking about this. And, And again, in our company, we've talked about this too, is, you know, if, and when you make the leap from residential to commercial property, uh, and if you're just entering the commercial space, And in this capacity, maybe you've been in the commercial hospitality space for a long time, but in a different capacity. So now you have to, you have to sort of gain a new level of credibility. Did you guys run into this at all where you, and maybe you kind of walk through a little bit, certainly the first uh, acquisition that you made, because it seemed like that's the thing that really kind of opened Cleared the field for you, as it were. Maybe it didn't feel like it at the time, but that was that was the launch point. W- was the commercial real estate discussion a part of that, or did that acquisition open those doors to you? And if so, how did you guys just get taken seriously when you're up against some of these other big players that have already established track records? I think the taken seriously is quite an interesting
0: point, quite a funny point again in hindsight because. Of the four or five players who who were bidding, we were the least serious. Uh and, well viewed as the least serious. We took ourselves seriously. But I know that when sure. you know, when, when when it was announced, okay, the others you didn't you didn't win the bid and they're like, Oh, who did? Assuming it would be one of the other well funded players, all these companies had X million in the bank. And then they were like, Oh, it was Tom and Will. Like what? It was those two, like, and and there, was the, <laughs> you, you don't get. You, you know, it's really interesting. The sort of posturing thing is so Im- important. It was something we placed no value on because we were we were just like we know who we are. We know what we're doing. We know we're 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 trying to be the best, and we're just going about our business and doing it. But actually, if you really want to get on, ultimately, you do. You have got to shout about what you're doing. You've got to to, to, to get noticed. And and as a sort of independent player Just in one city, you're not you're not that exciting to an investor, and you're not exciting to some of the bigger part, bigger you know people like Airbnb and Booking.com. Whereas when we, you know, we went through that deal, which was a really important deal for us personally, but the Altido deal was when we did the merger. That was massive in terms of credibility because suddenly. People wanted to talk to us suddenly it was like, "Oh, you're the new mm-hmm. kid on the block oh you're you you know it, it didn't quite work out for those other companies who were raising money and but you've come at it a different way you're still bootstrapped you've just done it through mergers and 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 now you have a European presence, and now we want to talk to you um and and mm-hmm. and then you do you know you 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 build up a bit more of a war chest you have marketing and p r and and you can you know, you can begin to get your name out there and, and get noticed. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, that was
1: an interesting transition. And we saw that quite clearly over those few years. Yeah. It's almost like you just got to like, you you just got to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And yeah, actually I, it makes me think of this. Uh, I think, do you know who Gary Vee is? Gary Vaynerchuk? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I, th- I remember he, he posted this this image a while back where it was it was like a split screen cartoon of like one person digging for gold and stopping. Oh uh, yes, I know, know the one yeah, right before he gets where the gold. Further. Yeah, and yeah, then
0: yeah,
1: did you go that little bit further. Yeah, and and uh, I you know I I think a lot of people try to figure out like you know. Where's the part to turn around, or you know, how do you how do you know where if the gold is only you know another foot un, under the ground, or is it a hundred feet under the ground? And there's not really any way to know. I think you know what I've come to realize is that you know if you as, as long as you're getting traction on something that is helping build the business every day, and it could be a small amount of traction, but as long as you're just putting another brick in the wall. And, and you're either making a connection, meeting somebody, um, starting you know some networking thing, or going to a, a meeting, or I don't know what, putting in a new process in your business. Whatever that thing is, as long as every day you're you're doing something that builds it, at some point in the future, even though it doesn't feel like it, things will start. to to coalesce and come together. And then, you know, you'll be able to have the benefit of hindsight and be like, Oh yeah, look, we actually built something interesting and it's got us from, you know, this point to that point, but you gotta, you just gotta keep your head down and keep working. Uh, Yeah. I've seen that cartoon and I think it's, yeah, that principle
0: is a fantastic one, particularly for, you know, independent entrepreneurs. We all know it's a grind. You don't, you know, it's hard work day in, day out. You have, big highs and big lows, and that perseverance and determination and, you know, all, all the things we hear about resistance and willingness to accept failure and, and go again, all really important. But I also think there's there's one other element to that bit, which is what constitutes success, which is a totally relative construct, but one that all entrepreneurs need to really wrestle with and make sure that they actually know that. You know, when I I, I said quite openly earlier in this about, we didn't know where we were going to go, but we were also very comfortable with that. Um, whereas, if it was like, oh no, we're setting this business up and we want to create a unicorn within five years, in which case our strategy was completely wrong for doing that. You know, we, we would, we, it's not going to happen just chipping away in, in that way. It's like, okay, well, we've got to work back from that and work out, well, what do we need? Where do we need to be by this point in time? We're, so, it's i think you've got to be really honest with yourself about that and and therefore and that's where that kind of risk taking you know, that risk element comes in because certainly every entrepreneur regardless of what your end goal is you've got to keep chipping away on a day day by day basis but if what constitutes success for you is something quite sizable something quite large in terms of Whatever that may be, whether it be revenue, whether it be number of countries you're in, whether number of units you manage, number of staff you have, um, then sometimes if we go back to that analogy and take it even further, you need a stick of dynamite, not just you know chipping away with a pickaxe, <laughs> um, and and that and and yes. and you and that dynamite is one of those inflection points, whether it's like okay. We're gonna acquire that company, or we're we're gonna go out and raise money, or we're gonna go with a new strategy, or we're gonna spend more on marketing, whatever it is. But if you, you you just, you know, and there's no right or wrong answer, but I think the key thing is is engaging with that question of what constitutes success. Because my only fear is is there might be some entrepreneurs out there who see that initial cartoon and just think, Well, all I've gotta do is keep chipping away and I'll get to where I want, because you you might actually chip away for 30 years and, you know, you achieve some success, but not
1: actually where your core that's a good point. focus was. That's a really, that's a really good point. So I guess that's a good segue into, into kind of one of the last questions I want to ask you is that if you, there's a lot of new people over the last couple of years here getting into the short-term rental management space and some with hotel backgrounds and some not, and you know, some of them are, House cleaners that are co-hosting, you know, a couple of properties, and some are, you know, serious professional managers. There's just kind of a wide range of people, and you know, we all know the big guys, at least over in the U.S., that have made a a big splash in in what they do. Um, if you were advising a startup in this space today, where would you tell them to to focus? You know, how what's the best way for them to just you know, uh, is it, I don't know if it's a proof of concepts, if it's a, uh, you know, if it's go out and try to acquire something right out of the gate, so you've got, uh, you know, a list of properties right away, rather than trying to grind it out one at a time. Um, you know, how how would you advise a new startup here?
0: Well, again, that that point I made earlier about context is key, because when we did, when we set up seven years ago, that the market is has moved on significantly in those seven years. You know, it's it is it, it was nascent back then, and in elements of it still nascent today. But it but certainly matured, you know, over, over those seven years. And and so I think in Europe, if you were starting up in London right now, it's going to be very tough because you know there are a lot of companies have come and gone, and you you it, you know you'll need to be doing something. Uh, you'll need to be coming with an interesting proposition, something a bit more unique. So there there has to be an element to it, whether it might be the environmental focus. And I've seen people do that. Okay, I'll set up an apart hotel brand and it's all about being very serious about our carbon footprint. And that's our value proposition to the guest. Um, So Hmm. I I think my advice would be Unlike what the way we did it, which was like we're just going to try proper lean startup, like let's throw some things at the wall and see what sticks. I think now, actually, you you need to probably have a much clearer business plan from day one, and and probably pursue a niche to get in, just to get mm-hmm. to, to yeah establish yourself in the market. And the other problem is you're, you're probably going to if again that what constitutes success thing answer that question and if again you want to go gangbusters and go big then you're probably going to have to raise money along the way and that's going to be challenging um because mm-hmm. the money clearly wasn't as freely available isn't as freely available now as it was then and so you're going to need something pretty compelling they're not going to be able to take um such a risk on you that's not to say i mean that all well, that sounds quite negative that's not I, I would encourage anyone to join this industry i think it's fantastic it's growing there's a lot of trends that go in the right way the money will come back um and i've had a lot of fun and and success in it so i think i think there's room for lots of players um but i just think you'll probably sadly for you you'll you'll have to do a little bit more hard work than i had to do when we started out the business and could be a bit more flexible
1: about our future interesting you make a really interesting point and it's it's one that i i don't often hear about niches and I'm going to mispronounce the word, but you know, there's a, there's a saying that says the riches are in the niches and you, you, there's a tendency in the hospitality space to try to be all things to all people. And I mean, just go stay at any big brand hotel and you'll see like, you know, beige room that looks the same, regardless of what city you're in, uh, you know, uninteresting uniforms and the same burger and spaghetti menu everywhere, because it's appealing to to the majority of people it's also easy to execute on the hard thing is finding the the thing that some people the ability to say no actually i think is really what the, this fundamentally mm. comes down to is that is knowing you know what's the right property for you to manage what's the right guest for you to have you, what are the right amenities to have in there? Are you willing to have something interesting that might make it a little more operationally complicated, but that speaks to your smaller audience? There's just a lot of things that you need to consider. So when you're niching down like this, uh, it's you, you have to say no, but again, I think to your point earlier, you know ultimately that's the thing that's probably going to propel you a little bit because that's the differentiator. Everybody is going to try to be everything to everyone your different path could be making a left when everyone's going right I think
0: it's a very good point and, and one you know it's, it's a partly why I sort of brought up that concept of someone I advise someone today is because that's advice that we're talking about internally at the moment we have a, a you know we've become a bit of a conglomerate lots of different brands coming in along the way doing all sorts of different things across the hospitality spectrum in a number of different countries which is great in terms of we built scale and built a sizable company but actually when we look to 2023 and beyond and we're having those discussions now exactly that of actually learning to say no and being like just because we've got opportunities doesn't mean we should be taking them and actually cutting back a bit of saying you know that's not actually the business we're trying to build over a long time here. let's let's get a bit more focused because then you have a clearer value proposition to your landlords to your guests um, and and it will serve you serve you in the long term. So that's some medicine that we will be taking
1: ourselves um, over the next few months. Well, I, uh, I really appreciate this conversation and, uh, you know, it didn't, it on it, to be perfectly honest, it didn't go the way that I expected it to go, but it's just funny how these conversations just sort of like, you know, you, you intend to talk about one thing and you talk about another, but you've got really great perspective and expertise and, you know, hopefully, uh, some people listening to the show here today are able to take it and, and maybe manifest it in a way in their own lives that is gonna, is gonna help them build something pretty special. Um. If anybody wants to learn more about you or Altito and what you guys are up to, where should they go?
0: Uh, well, stayaltito.com um, is a good place to start. Um, and yeah, you can reach out to me um, directly I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, and you can email me at will
1: at Sounds great. Well, Will, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Adam. This was my episode with Will Perry. You can learn more about him and Altito at stayaltito.com. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For past episodes or to get in touch with us, just go to the com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at theprovenprinciplespodcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to the Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.